Welcome back to That's Kinda Wavy. We're your hosts. I'm Jill. I'm Nikki. And I'm Shaysel. So we have been on a little bit of a break um, for the summertime. So I, we probably all have a lot of catching up to do um, for the podcast. Um, so who wants to start with, with how your summer has been going? <laughs> um, I guess I'll go first because I feel like mine's like very... Mine's been overwhelming because I moved last weekend. That's how, like, mine's, like, really only one big thing. Um, well, two, I moved and I got a kitten. So that Aww. was fun. Um, he's been doing well. We're, uh, we just scheduled when he's going to get his balls chopped off. Oh, my God. Bye-bye. Yeah, literally <laughs> can't wait. Um, they're just so gross. I hate, <laughs> I hate seeing them. Like, um, but, oh, actually... I, we can keep this in, whatever. Um, Jill, about Finn's butt cheeks. You know how you're like, are they even there, his balls? So mm-hmm. what they do, because I they apparently for males don't put them under. Oh. Or they do put they do put them under, but they don't, like, it's not invasive. So, like, you know, like, females, oh. they have to, like, get in. So they put them under, but then they just do, like, two little slits in each, like, ball sack. <laughs> and then... And they just take the, out the te- the pull them testicle? out, yeah, pull out the testicle, yeah. So the ball sack still like stays, and yeah, like heal and close. So I feel like like fins just like stayed formed. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's butching. So we'll see what happens with Rock because Soda, I could never see his balls, but also he had longer fur, so maybe right. they were hiding True. under there. So we'll see. I just hate seeing <laughs> them hiding. And under he there. like, and he like, like goes after poppies private parts oh and i'm just like you fiend like, you disgusting man like we're gonna get rid of that okay you know literally and what's even worse is that she doesn't mind it i'm like i am living with like heathens y'all are disgusting <laughs> My i God. hate it i'm always like ah and like rip them apart anyway so i have that and then we moved which i do really like this townhouse um we went from apartment to townhouse um, but moving just like sucks. Like I just, I just hate it. Like I remember that it was like stressful, but, um, I, we were in that townhouse we had just, or in that apartment we had just signed for year four. So we were in there for three years. So it's like, it had been enough time where it's like, oh, I remember it sucked, but it's like, do I remember? So it's just been, it's just a lot. And I can't believe like how exhausted I was for the first couple days after you know I was just like I can't do anything so now we're back in like the swing of like slowly like unpacking rooms and I think my project for this upcoming week is going to be like setting up my office and so I'm trying to like look at it more as like exciting as about because it is it is exciting like a fresh fresh start especially because like I I don't know we've discussed like I've had a hard couple of years you know so it's like and that was all in that apartment so I'm trying to look at it as like clean slate and like having an office that is my office and then guests will sleep there as opposed to a guest room that I like shove my office in. And um, yeah, so it's just it'll be good. And we have a bit more space and we have a garage and stuff like that. So we're less like on top of each other, which is also nice. And yeah. the cats love the stairs. 
<laughs> they go yeah. ape shit. They love running up and down. <laughs> and then I feel like such a mom. I'm like, stop playing on the stairs. I'm like, you can play anywhere in the apartment. You choose the stairs. Like, oh my God, but stress me out. I'm like, they're going to snap their neck. No, but- they're going to lose weight. <laughs> I mean, your cats Stare are master. your cats are already a, skinny. <laughs> yeah, Poppy's Poppy's gotten a little thick because she'll go in. Rock will like eat most of his food, but sometimes he leaves a tiny bit because it's like literally so like kitten brain. He's just like, I'm <laughs> yeah. bored of doing this. I'm gonna go do something else now, and he'll like leave a bit, and Poppy will be right there waiting. Oh, and so she'll go and like. It's one of those things where it's like three bites. So I'm just like, whatever. I don't even care. Yeah. And same with his dry food. But kitten food is so fatty. Oh, yeah. Because it's made for kittens. So you can like kind of see it on her. She's um, She's got kind of a, a dumpy. She's always had a dumpy. But like. <laughs> it's a double wide now but I think I think it's one of those things like I think once he's on to like actual cat food like she'll go back down you know I don't yeah. think it's I'm not really worried about it so but she actually I had to take her to the vet too soon so we'll see if she's gained some weight I know she has so we'll see how that goes but they finally snuggled today oh big hey, yeah big day well she he snuggled her and she allowed him to touch her. That's right. like what it was. He he had like his paw out like on her tail and then he like kind of like looked at her and she like grumbled but then blinked and let him be there. I was like, I'm gonna cry. Aww. Like they're touching. So I'm counting it as <laughs> so I don't know. That's why I'm like, I've I've had two big things, so it feels like my summer's been like crazy, but I'm like, I guess it I mean it has been. But it's not like a bunch of little things. So, yeah. How about you, Shaysel? Uh, I don't even know. <laughs> it feels I like ever, everything just feels. This whole year feels like a blur. I, I don't know. Just taking a lot of time to rest, but doesn't actually feel like resting because my mind is just as active as if like I were doing things. So it's I don't know. I have not felt very rested, but I also feel like I haven't been doing as much as I have in the past this whole year in a way that's like good I just have yet to like fully feel like the I mean barely feel the benefits of that resting yet but yeah this summer I don't know I've had I've had a lot of really good things like in the beginning of August especially which I can't believe it's already like mid-August but I know um, that's insane to me but yeah the beginning of August like Lala and stuff is always like fantastic and July was like a lot of fun obviously we got to spend time together and then like Barbie and Oppenheimer and then Beyonce and like a bunch of stuff so all of that has been really good. I just like can't believe that summer's over, which is kind of how it feels like. I mean, it's not over yet. I'm not seeing it that way. Like honestly, I'm not seeing it that way until probably like the end of September. So it's okay, but it's just kind of crazy to me that the time has gone by like this. But yeah, I'm trying to think what else I've like had going on. I've had like, a couple like DJ events and stuff like that. But even that, I've tried to slow down a little bit with that just because my brain is so still overwhelmed all the time in a lot of ways but yeah things things have been good things are going to get better um because they have to (laughs) and yeah I don't even know just feeling like very very scatterbrained in some ways but also like nothing's in my brain right now so yeah just noise that's how I've been feeling where I'm like I feel like like it's not like quite dissociating but it's like I'm like checked out like I'm just like (laughs) but it's like I don't, I don't know like I'm, I'm here and I'm aware but then I'm also like what and that's it <laughs> I'm just, just like what, what? I'm like wait that <laughs> really captures what? it um 
but like yeah that's it's just like because I feel like I have so much I have to do like just random shit and so then I'm like let me just a mix of like being very aware of every and like overwhelmed so that it's just like actually let's just like not have a brain anymore no literally and I won't be overwhelmed literally like yeah I mean I know you guys know this but I like I got like a second phone because I just need to just completely detach from everything <laughs> and only have things on this phone that like matter and just only look at my like normal phone for business stuff, which I'm still gonna have to do like at least once a day, which is gonna be annoying, but it's fine. Um, but like yesterday, I did not look at my phone literally the entire day, like the entire day, which was like nice. And I like walked a lot yesterday, but it was like walking a lot to like because I was just like, where am I in my head right now? <laughs> like I even usually I would like watch a lot of TV when I'm like that, which is like a, a big problem that I've faced for years. Like that has been like greatly exacerbated by like COVID, obviously, which I was I've also been reflecting on how much that has still been impacting me. But um, I feel like the effects have been hitting me a lot later. But yeah, like yesterday, usually I'd like be watching TV or something when I'm dissociating. But yesterday I had like at least like two hours that I don't even know where they went because I was kind of like sitting on my couch just like thinking. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but like things are like fine. It's just, I don't know, mental health. It feels like redundant that I bring it up every single time because mental health is literally always a struggle for me. But it is what it yeah. is. But I mean, it's good. Like clearly you're making different choices to like help you move in the right direction you know to yeah, be like, right. i'm gonna go for a walk and like it's it is the little things that add up like that so that's no you're good. definitely right i'm proud of myself for doing that yesterday and like and even this like being proactive about this phone thing and find and doing a lot of research and finding a way for it to be like financially possible for me and stuff like that to have the second phone which really has not been like an increase in cost for me at all barely which has been like good but um yeah, no, so it's good. And I've been like working out again, which has been like really good for me. I definitely feel like a huge difference when I do that. Still like only a couple times a week, but that's much better than like the nothing that I was doing for a while. So yeah, things are things are gonna be better. They're just like always some type of hard, but maybe we'll move to a hard that's like a little less intense soon. <laughs> yeah. That's right. actually one thing I really liked about the Barbie movie. This isn't really like a spoiler. Um, but they like kind of talk about like or like touch on like what it's like to be human and they're like it is like tough like versus being a barbie land that's like perfect and because i've been feeling like very overwhelmed that like made me like emotional because it made me like it helped me like reframe it and i'll like oh i'm like alive like i'm living life you know like that's part of being human and like i wouldn't i guess i wouldn't want to like have like a perfect life i mean i would like it to be a bit easier but (laughs) right it definitely like it definitely like helped because i've been yeah just feeling similarly of just like i don't know it just feels like there's always something that's a good perspective i like that and now that we've all seen it i mean well actually you know later on we'll talk about it in the in the episode but um anyways how about you jill how's your how's your summer been um well lately mental health also is not good but Overall, summer has been, like, generally good. Um, I also can't believe that time has already passed to the middle of August right now. Um, We've, like, talked about this so many times, but lately I just have been, like, feeling so much, like, time stopped after COVID. And I just, like, I literally, like, can't process things the same way. I can't, like, process memories the same way, I feel like. Like, I feel like everything has happened in the last few months. Like, everything since 2021. I'm like, that happened a few months ago. 
I feel uh, you do. Yeah, like I the really time the you. time blindness is like to an in- insane level. It is so interesting to yeah, it's like I wonder if it cuz not a lot happened like during covid like in our personal lives so then it's like right. But that and that felt super long, but it was only like quarantine yeah. was only a few months so then it's like yeah this also has been long but it's only about a few months like I don't right know. <laughs> right I don't know it's weird but I've been doing a, lo- a bunch of like random stuff that usually I'll do I don't know like every couple of years so I'm glad that I'm getting every weekend doing a new cool thing um oh yeah yeah I went to Lilydale yesterday which is like the spiritual em- assembly um like an hour outside of Buffalo it's literally just a town full of mediums um and it's like super cute right there's like a little fairy trail there's there's like they do like it's literally like spiritualist so it's like they follow the religion of spiritualism um which we have talked about before on the podcast um so like they have like religious ceremonies like in the woods like all, all the time like they have like forest temples and all this stuff they have a pet cemetery it's just it's a really cool place to go to and it just like feels so like calming and like grounding to go there so I was like I feel like that's such good energy yeah 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 exactly it's great and then last night I went to see a screening of Donnie Darko and Richard Kelly the director was there doing a QA and a and a signing that's incredible yeah I know I'm like I can't like I can't believe that that was a real thing (laughs) <laughs> that is so incredible jill i'm jealous well, and for real did you know he was gonna be there yeah yeah so it was, it was like 45 dollars because they had the on friday night they screened the southland tales which is also that's his second movie um and he was also there that night doing a q a and a signing which we were not prepared for so we we're like okay we thought it was just gonna be after donnie um so yeah, I got double dose of Richard Kelly this weekend, and wait, dude, I had no him. idea that he. I mean, I still haven't seen the Southland. What's it called? Southland Tales. Yeah, I still haven't seen that, and I, I, I have it like as a priority on my watch list ever since you talked about it. But because um, it seems like right up my alley, but um, <laughs> I had no idea that it was dire- that it's directed by the same director as yeah. Narco. But that makes sense from what you've said in like a yeah. weird flipped way. Right, right. Yeah, there's a, there's like a very like dreamscape kind of thing. Like. Kind of, yeah. There's a lot of there's like a few crossover things that you'll like notice because you've seen Donnie Darko before, and you'll be like, okay, this makes sense that it's Richard Kelly's movie. But I think it kind of fell. It, it's it's considered a flop because they spent like seventeen million dollars on the movie. Oh my God. And- <laughs> on Donnie Darko? No, on on Southland oh. Tales. Um. And yeah, it definitely flopped. They, it, they, he, he went to um, Cannes with that movie and was nominated for the Palme d'Or or what, however you pronounce it. Um, and he he said that they had to go with an unfinished movie because it, <laughs> this shit. They literally had it was a three hour movie and that was unfinished apparently. And it, he said to this day he is still trying to finish the movie because <laughs> the, some of the editing is-, is like not. <laughs> Oh my! So is it when you yeah. watch it? Does the story feel unfinished, or is it just the like sto- nitpicky? Um, like, is it like nitpicky? Like he wants scenes to be look different. I think that some of the like CGI editing, he said he wanted to be like more fleshed out. But um, the movie. So you know how Star Wars starts with four. Yes. Yeah. So that that's oh. that's how. I 
thought you said Thor. For like, a second, no, I heard that too. I was like, wait. I was like, I think I missed that one. <laughs> yeah, the new crossover from the 70s. Um, so Southland Tales also starts, it's like chapters in the movie, but it starts oh. with four because there's comics that are that precede the t- the events that happen in the movie but it's a, it's a movie that like how are you going to know that without being like a super fan of Richard Kelly so i yeah. think that Wait. yeah i have a question so does that mean within the universe of the movie like they they allude to the fact that it's like the story is based on comics within the film or is it actually based on comics created by Richard Kelly outside of the film so i don't know if he created them but they are like like the first three comics or like chapters in this comic, like give more exposition to the story that happens in the movie. So it's like all one thing. I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. So instead of making a fourth comic book, they made a four- a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. So it's like, you're already going into this movie and you don't know the pre exposition. <laughs> so then it, it, there's like 8 million moving parts in this movie. So right off the bat, you're kind of like, these names are insane. There is no way I'm going to keep up with Boxer Santeros and Krista Kapowski and like all these crazy names. It's like that, like that adds a whole level of extra confusion to keep up with who the fuck people are talking about and who they're aligned with. And yeah, but it's great. <laughs> Can I make a random comment related to like crazy names? Yeah. So um, I guess it's also it's related to movies, which is our topic for today. Um, in this interview, Ryan Gosling, because he's you know Ken in mm-hmm. the Barbie movie, he was talking about like the interviewer was like, "Do your daughters play with Barbies?" And he's like, "Yes," but like when I told them I was Ken, they were like, "Who?" Because they call Ken, <laughs> they call him Daryl, and he works at a grocery <laughs> store, and his girlfriend's name is Jim Class. <laughs> and, and but. He, he was like, gym class is focusing on herself right now. But it's just so funny. Like, <laughs> kids, that is so, you can't write that shit, you know, right. like, gym class. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> That's like, like, my nieces, they'll, I'll be like, what's her name? They'll be like, her name's like Fifi Kiki Ko. Or something. Oh, like, you know. I'm like, work, love. Love yeah. her. <laughs> Put that in a, in a phone book. Yeah, with Fifi. What was it? Fifi. Sp- Fifi Fee- Kikiko. I just I made that one up just now. That's not what they've done. <laughs> like, is it is that two Ks? <laughs> well, um, our topic today is discussing cinema and all of the recent stuff that has happened. Because this was like a huge movie summer. I feel like this is like yes. one of the biggest like blockbuster summers uh, since COVID. Uh, like, I mean, there's only been three since then so yeah no i would it's gonna take the cake for post-covid blockbuster (laughs) it's like it's not saying much technically but it is like still grand scheme it was a big blockbuster. no regardless of you know the whole global pandemic that like stopped everything i think that like (laughs) it still would have been a big blockbuster summer though yeah yeah i mean so barbie and oppenheimer came out um last month if you didn't know that somehow (laughs) Yeah, Barbie and Oppenheimer. Have you seen the edits of them like together? Yeah, and I've seen like the the, I'm like Pink Floyd edit. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, why is this kind of sexy? Like, (laughs) I like them. I think they're a good couple. (laughs) I love a good brooding like 
a couple oh, yeah. where one person's like brooding emo, one person's like he he he. The light. <laughs> yeah, I love I love that. Oh my god. Yeah, so these movies came out this summer. Um maybe you saw them, maybe you didn't. I did not see Oppenheimer, I did see Barbie. But maybe. same. Ugh. Yeah. You guys need to watch Oppenheimer. I <laughs> I was talking to Cole about it and he was like if you were somebody else, I would say you need to see it in the but, theater, but watch him when it comes, like, comes yeah. the home. Because I just, like, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk more about this, but that three hours, dog, like, I can't. I know, I know. And I know, so from what I have seen, it seems like, which I don't mind these style movies, but it seems like more of a slow burn. And so, like, especially something like that, like, being in a theater for that long would be very difficult for me so I do want to see it but I just like it's one of those things what I was telling Cole like I want to actually enjoy it and I don't want to be like very aware that I'm in a theater and like stuck and I can't pause it and I can't you know like I think being in in the theater because it kind of does stress me out would take away from that movie and I want to like be able to like consume it and focus on it and pay attention to it okay definitely fair yeah yeah so we are going to be discussing how theater has changed over the years and especially post-COVID um, and especially regarding Barbie and Oppenheimer, like this crazy opposition of movies coming out on the same day and like having such good marketing teams that it did end up being one of the biggest blockbusters of the year and now the top grossing movie for a female director ever. Period. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Hell yeah. Yeah. Which, like, say what you want about Greta Gerwig and about this movie, but, like, that is a fucking feat that should be lauded. No, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. So, I guess let's start. Okay. So, we have talked about, um, like, the the, you know, origin of celebrity and paparazzi and all this stuff that kind of centered around cinema and around media um, in general but we can do a quick recap of like super old Hollywood and then kind of go up until now on a, on a timeline um, of theater and how we've consumed that as theater goers so the late 1800s film finally takes the stage um, and theater is on the screen now um and there you know obviously it's like there's not really cuts um they can't really like edit the the film um and there's only like certain angles they can shoot things at so very primitive in terms of how we would imagine seeing a movie today um by 1910 they were finally able to include different angles and different scene sets um and different ways to portray spatial and temporal movement in film um, and this was like hugely revolutionary um, in the, in this industry. By 1920, we finally had sound in films. So obviously, you can imagine that is when film blew the fuck up, and that is when we have like the golden age of Hollywood come around. Um, can I say something super quick? Yeah. Um, have you guys seen Babylon? No. No. You guys. <laughs> That's another three-hour movie that I don't. I know. <laughs> I don't that one. You guys. You guys need to watch Babylon because that one, I mean, in my opinion, is like very entertaining, like throughout. So as much as okay. I like Oppenheimer, that that's does, like, like an old movie, isn't it? No, it's no, new. it came out this year. Yeah, it oh. came out. Yeah, it's um, it's by the same person who directed La La Land and Whiplash. Um, but honestly, it feels very different than those films for me. But it's just kind of talks about the transition between like 
um, silent films and like the talkies and stuff like that and much more than that and it's just I don't know it's it's a really really fucking good movie that I think about all the time tell me what I I think wait one second <laughs> I was picturing the movie Amadeus when you said <laughs> Wait, do, I've keep seeing like that. that is rated so fucking highly on Letterboxd for yep. I'm like for what reason? Know. For well, what I'm looking reason? right now, it has an eight point four on IMDb. People and, uh, say that's oh like the God. best movie ever. Yeah, and ninety five percent on audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. The woman from Sex in the City, which I I've been like binge watching that. Show. I just finished that show <laughs> and I'm all caught up, and I've seen all the movies now, and I've watched. I'm I'm all caught up with like the new seasons. Anyways, oh my, Cynthia God. Nixon is in this oh, yeah. film. That is so surprising. Okay, interesting. Uh, but I think that's why I think recently I was on Letterbox and I saw that and like Babylon, Amadeus, or, you know, or just Tomato, Tomato, <laughs> Oppenheimer. What are these words? You know, <laughs> random Greek names out here. Yeah. So, yeah, so by kind of like, I don't know, 1930s, 40s, this is when, you know, it's crazy people in Hollywood are having the time of their fucking lives. Um, Cinema was at its peak with the amount of people that were going every week, like thousands of people would go to the theater every week to watch movies. And it was just like the, the theaters themselves were like ornate, like palaces type places. They were amazingly beautiful and people really wanted to go there. People spent a lot of time in the theater back in those days. I wrote down a statistic. In Britain, the highest attendance has occurred in 1946 with over 31 million visits to the cinema each week. Damn. Damn. Yeah. Every person was at the fucking cinema out here. But by kind of like the 19 end of the 1940s and 50s, um, television came around and effectively ended the golden age of Hollywood. From there, the studios have had a kind of a hard time like keeping up with the past. Um, there were a lot of film companies that would purchase movie theaters and only show their company's movies. So th- there was a lot of also like antitrust monopoly shit going on that kind of also effectively ruined a little bit of the film industry. By like the 60s and 70s, though, film was coming back a lot of there was a lot of like artistic um one-off like lower directors not lower but like lesser known directors putting out like auteur films that were like widely known and didn't have like super popular actors in them that were you know still like very popular and a lot of people were going to see them but by mid 1970 and 75 the blockbuster film came about with steven spielberg's jaws which I feel like, I don't know, like I know a lot about Jaws and I have read about this movie a lot of, like a thousand times basically. So I like am familiar with this being a crazy huge movie. But like originally when I found that out, I was like, I cannot believe that Jaws is like one of the most top selling movies ever. Chris had never seen it. So he and I just watched it like maybe a month ago. Um, cause I had, I had seen it, but like not for a few years. So I wanted to revisit it yeah. because we had, I feel like we had discussed that I, at some point, like briefly touched on it and it was just like, yeah, huh? like, I know, like, it's, I know. Like, it's like kind of a flop. Sorry. Like, it's just right. like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, cause it's also like one of those things where it's like when you, at least for me, like when I watch 
older movies, even if I don't personally like get it, I can usually like see the merit in it. I'd be, you know, like see like, oh, this was in- so influential for its time because of like this, this, and this, you know? No, right, right. And so I feel like that's like with Jaws, I'm like, why, why was this the one that like became a blockbuster <laughs> out of all these movies like in this set of like three years let's say like why did this one become the big deal i wonder if it's actually as i'm rambling i wonder if it's like because it was like accessible horror yeah so so, like uh, okay yeah a lot of uh, it like a lot of audiences could go like so like somebody who wouldn't normally watch horror would be like okay i'll go or like it'd be like a good date night or like younger people would want to go see it Right, right. So I was just talking about how, like, in the 70s, 60s and 70s, there was a lot of, like, auteur films that were a little bit more highbrow and, like, people, they weren't super accessible, like you were just saying. So having Jaws come out, like, in that summer of 75 and be this, like, hugely accessible movie for people to go see that was, like, you know, teens could go see it um, and still, like, have a good time. People who weren't used to going to the movies would, like, you know, it's easily understandable, fast-paced, exciting movie um so yeah I I mean it makes sense and also there was a lot of marketing put into this movie to make sure that it was like a huge movie but I wanted to point out opening weekend it made seven million dollars and in today's money that is 39 million dollars just opening weekend yeah that's crazy right also though fuck that movie because they made everybody scared (laughs) of sharks I know, right? True. Literally, and, like it. sharks. Literally, like <laughs> sharks are honestly like chill. Like they, yeah. don't, like, go, they're just like, like because then since they're like animals who are top of the food chain, usually are like more chill because they're just like what they the don't f- got shit like, to worry about. Yeah, they're like, who's gonna come get me? <laughs> right. I'll get you when I want to. Literally, you're, you're like you don't look like fun to hunt. So go, <laughs> you know, like so. So I'm like, why the fuck are we now? Ugh. But, I know they changed the cultural zeitgeist. Yeah. <laughs> to, to, to discriminate against sharks it's sharkest <laughs> for real so this movie is considered like the first blockbuster movie um and then two years later star wars came out um which we are gonna call it star wars because it was originally just called that so star so wars eat it eat star- it <laughs> yeah. um, wait and is that- it not called that or is it just said star wars episode blank they they like they changed the name after like a few years which one is that a new hope a new hope yeah because it was like they didn't it was made to be a one-off they didn't know how like there were the others all written or like at least half written but they didn't know how successful it was so it was made to be a standalone yeah and then that's why they started with four because they thought that that one would be the best standalone because Darth Vader already like Darth Vader is such an iconic villain and the first three there's like not that kind of like iconic aspect and like the yeah, third one is true. like the making of Darth Vader so that's why they chose that one so then yeah when it became that successful they're like shit we gotta like differentiate and give them their <laughs> like subtitles now right, right. So. yeah so Star Wars um clearly shattered records at the box office um, and had a theatrical run that lasted more than a year. Um, so That's after the crazy, yeah, I can't right? Even imagine that happening crazy. now. I know that would be fucking insane if you could just go see. God, I would love the that. same movie for like a year. She sounds like literally like 
God, I wish that were <laughs> literally Spider Man. Literally, oh my that's god, what I was thinking of <laughs> me manifesting a re-release of Spider Man and it happening. No, for real, like, I can't believe that happened. Yeah, <laughs> thank God. Yeah, that was actually so powerful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So after the success of Jaws and Star Wars, many Hollywood producers attempted to create similar event films with wide commercial appeal, and a lot of film companies began greenlighting increasingly large-budget films and relying extensively on massive advertising blitzes. <laughs> this is <a> Wikipedia. <laughs> Blitzkrieg. <laughs> blitzes <laughs> leading up to their theatrical release. Um and this, these films were the prototypes for the summer blockbuster trend in which a lot of film studios and distribu- distributors planned their annual marketing strategy around a big release by July 4th. Jaws basically taught the industry that not only the power of pricey special effects would bring in huge crowds, but also huge marketing campaigns would affect the, the um, theater attendance like dramatically. Um, so... Budgets for marketing skyrocketed in the 80s. And of course, we all know the 80s is all about huge ass shit. So who's going to take this shit to the top but everyone from the 1980s? And especially with Ronald Reagan corporatizing America um, at this time, there were like huge, huge um, movie companies that were like being created to put out these big ass blockbuster movies. Um, And they kind of like left those smaller auteur driven films to the side in favor of wanting these movies that would bring in um like a a very obvious profit so having like huge blockbuster movies obviously has led a little bit to the demise of the smaller smaller scale films with people that are like a lot less known and might this is like a subjective thing but might be seen as more like artistically driven um and there are a lot of directors even now that have a lot to say about these types of blockbuster movies. Um, and I think is it who? Which is the guy that recently is, ta- is talking about? His... No, I know what you're talking about. I'm trying to think of no, literally. Just, which is the guy? You know, which the is guy. the guy? No, but um, I, 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 I Scorsese. Like I... It's Martin Scorsese yes. who's talking yes. shit about Marvel films and how they're like so bad for the film industry and how they just like put out nothing but i'm like sir you are a white man literally like, putting out movies about white men like and still in their own right like blockbuster films like obviously not not as like right not flashy but like the slow burn blockbusters so like chill. yeah yeah and like let people have fun yeah true well that's what um i was thinking like as you're saying this like i definitely i don't know i think like I don't want every single movie to be a blockbuster movie like right like an appeal but like there's also sometimes I want to see a blockbuster movie like when I I was talking to Chris Chris and I were trying to like decide on a movie and he was like what kind of what kind of movie do you want to watch and I was like I don't really know but I want to watch like a movie like a film like a movie right and he was like huh and I'm like I know exactly what you're talking about like like (laughs) a movie you know like a two-hander like 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 lights camera action baby yeah exactly (laughs) so i was like i don't know some shit like i was like i don't want to watch inception but something that's like grand like inception yeah and so it is like sometimes i want to watch a blockbuster but sometimes it is like 
I don't know. Like you don't want it's I don't know. You guys know what I'm trying to say. Sometimes I want the like hardcore consumerism like in your face. I, like, no, I get it. Amazing. It's like going to a theme park or something. Nikki Oh right. my god, I like, was literally about to say it's the amusement park of films. Yes, <laughs> and sometimes though it's like I don't want I don't want to go to an amusement park every time like every time I want to do something fun. Sometimes I want to just go bowling and that can be just as fun, you know? And so that's like I don't know, I like when there's like a mix. So I would agree that it's like I don't want every single movie to like be a blockbuster movie, but right. They they have like they have their time and place, you know. Right. I don't know. Right. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So like a lot of like this film journalist was saying that all studios wanted was another Jaws. And as production costs rose, they're less willing to take risks, meaning like the production companies um, are less willing to take risks and therefore base blockbusters on the quote lowest common denominators of the mass market. And like a lot of these critics are saying that making films this way limits film in general as, as a genre. Um and it also ends up like erasing a lot of a lot of different artistic abilities and people that might not, you know, be known otherwise if they're not going to put out a movie that's going to make eight million dollars, you know. True. And there's also this writer, David Foster Wallace, who posited that films are subject to an inverse cost and quality law, which the <laughs> when I read into this, I was like, this does make sense a lot of the time, actually. So it's it states that the larger a movie's budget is, the shittier that movie is going to be, which is honestly that kind of ends up happening. I, I, <laughs> part of it, I feel like part of it too becomes like too many cooks. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you have a large budget, budget, you have a huge team, so many work, like moving parts, so many people doing so many different like little things. It like, I do want to hear you say more jill i'm not trying to like act like i know what this is but my first impression is like yeah it, i feel like it like to an extent will lose it lose its like cohesiveness as opposed to like if it's like a director's like baby and you know they're right which it's interesting stuff like that because i feel like this applies to southland tales knowing that it was there was a 17 million dollar budget and i'm pretty sure it made like at least 10 million less than that at the box office and like that that movie like was richard kelly's baby so it's interesting it's like you get so caught up in wanting it to be perfect and spending all this yeah. money to make it perfect that it ends up missing the mark because you spent yeah. way too much time in the on the details and not enough time on like the big picture cohesiveness yeah um yeah, I can definitely see see there being like a bell curve because I'm trying to because I agree I'm thinking yeah. of how many movies have like failed when having huge budgets and then some haven't like I'm thinking of like when Marvel was at its peak like right. those definitely didn't flop or anything but there are I would say that I don't know what the actual percentage would be but I would say there are a lot of films with like high budgets that end up flopping yeah so I, I agree well and you always I feel like you always hear about it and you're it's like oh like right. you know like, <laughs> right. like cringe like literally five million or something like, yeah like... yeah and like the the flash that came out recently that Oof. That yeah. was a flop. Uh, I mean, that was oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> this is actually this is one I was going to bring it up later, but I feel like this now applies to the like money thing. Um, have you guys seen anything about like the new live action Snow White? No, no. I haven't I even know heard that's about happening. this. So the only reason I know is because I think her name is Rachel Ziegler, 
She oh, was Maria oh, yeah. in the West Side Story remake. She's being Snow White. She sucks. And she's like, oh, she? she's like, like single handedly shitting on this movie. She was like, literally, I, I'm going to. Wait, she sucks cause- like singing or like as a person? As a person in her interviews, I'm going to send you guys an interview right now. Damn. Oh, my God. So, and she herself is starring in the Snow White film. She's Snow White and she's shitting on Snow White. <laughs> I haven't watched this exact one, but um, it's I see it's clips from the interview I'm thinking of. This is like Robert Pattinson talking about Twilight in interviews. Okay, but that's like, that's like <laughs> but funny because it's like camp. It's exactly. This is her being like a pick me. She's like, she literally goes, it's 19, not 1937 anymore, clearly. <laughs> like, okay. I hated that. Oh my God. <laughs> it literally is, is so, so arrogant painful yeah. to watch so that one and then there's another one that i don't want to like bother looking for right now but if i remember after this i'll send it to you guys it's like a seated interview and she's like i actually watched snow white once when i was little and i was i didn't like it i was so scared of it i went on the snow white white ride never dealt with snow white again so then i actually just rewatched it the first time and like 16 17 years i don't know like i just like didn't like it it's like girl <laughs> why would you where's her audition? pr team like get, them, get them, like get them on the phone get this bitch to shut up but so the whole thing like she's just like so like you said arrogant it's like it's not 1937 anymore obviously so or whatever she says and then right. like she's like shitting shitting on it basically and like a, a big conversation point is like actually something they say in like the Barbie movie is like why can't there be an average Barbie which I did like they're like she's not yeah she's not amazing she's like she gets through the day and she has a nine to five and she likes it and she goes home and she relaxes like why does every like female basically the point was like why does every female representation have to be astounding why can't you just like exist because then it makes us feel bad for just like existing right right and so that's a big argument people are making of like first of all snow white like it's not a i haven't seen it in years because i hate her singing voice in it i know that was a style for 1937 but like i hate the high-pitched voice you know me yeah um so i haven't seen a long time but i remember it's like it's mostly about like maleficent and like not maleficent um the evil queen like trying to kill snow white and shit like that like the prince is barely in it and so it's not really about the love story anyways but people are like this is so like pseudo feminist to like act like the only way a movie can be feminist is to like they already did snow white and the huntsman why are they like doing it again like just tell the story like why does she have to like be a leader why does she have to be like a badass whatever why can't it be a love story you know that's that's what some women want and that's okay um but so my whole point tying this back to this is like that's a disney live action that's gonna be so much money you know put into that people are literally like disney's gonna lose so much money on this if they don't nip this in the bud like they either need to recast snow white or like she like you know how like all the writers are striking which is something else we'll like touch on she was Mm -hmm. like supporting the strike but she was like if i have to stand there for 18 hours in a dress i should be paid for every hour it gets streamed (laughs) you should also shut up (laughs) 
what Wait, the when, fuck? When were those interviews taken? These are all in like the past week. Okay, because Ew. the actors on strike right now are not supposed to be like promoting any of their stuff. Well, so I that's like fuck her. Well, yeah. I don't know if she's actually on strike. I think she was like saying she supports it or something. I just saw she's a part of SAG Astra. Like, she should be on strike. Yeah, they're all supposed to be. Oh, really? Yeah, in I mean, solidarity. I can look up when those. Let me look up. That's just, she is being so snotty. And like, yeah. that shit makes me want to, like, I mean, I would actually never, first of all, I would not be around her sec- in general. But second of all, I would never <laughs> actually do this. But sometimes she makes me want to, like, figuratively, figuratively, like, slap someone. It's like, not, not even slap, smack someone. Like, yeah. literally, it's just so smug. And so, like, ah, I'm so much better than this. And it's like, you're not, you, I think that she thinks that she's, it's like she's overcompensating. I think that that makes up for whatever internalized, like, yeah negative belief that she has about like how people will see her for being in this movie or something right and playing right. So, like, it's, it's really weird anyway but no i totally agree that's why i'm like she's being so like pick me of like <laughs> you know like i'm not like she's like guys I, like, I was forced me, to do like, this literally like, me, being held like, against a my feminist will. pick me like it's yes. like you truly don't understand like feminism so you're trying to like put on this like front but i don't know people are so sad because like is it Hallie or Haley, the woman who played? I think it's Hallie. Ariel. Hallie. Hallie. Yeah. Hallie, like, talked about how much she loved The Little Mermaid growing up and was, like, so oh, yeah. emotional and so excited to play her. She's like, this is a dream role. Like, that's what you want playing a role. You want somebody right. to, like, like the right. role. Like, <laughs> like so for her character. Be, yeah, right? So for her to be like, this dumb bitch, I hate her. <laughs> yeah, literally, <laughs> it's, it's like, like, god damn. Yeah, like, okay. Right. Oh, it's from it's from December 2022. Oh, okay. Interesting so. for her to just be saying literally talking shit about anything that she's in. West Side Story was a complete flop. So yeah, what, yeah. People are like, all Cringe. you could do is be in remakes of other people's good movies. So. Literally true. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. Well, and it's so interesting. Like, at least for me, like, if I were on, if I were a casting director, or, like on a casting team. I would never want her in my movie. Yeah. Because she's like literally like a loose cannon in the sense of like she just runs her fucking mouth. Like, so I would not. So she's shooting herself in the foot by like doing all this. It's just so weird. Yeah. Anyway, so that's one where it's like they're going to spend a ton of money and it's going to flop. I think like she might single handedly make it flop because it's like people are saying like, yeah, like recast it, like redo it. Like nobody wants to see her as Snow White. Like, whatever. God. Okay, just finishing up the 80s renaissance, um, which, okay, so it's interesting because I did see that, like, film attendance went down during the 80s, um, but I think with the, like, blockbusters and the invention of, like, the megaplex, like, the types of places that would have literally, like, 30 screens um, in a movie theater kind of brought it back um, because a lot of the, like, a lot of theater attendance obviously hinges on the movies that are being shown at the theater so if, if movies are like lose their magic by being these types of blockbusters that just like follow follow this formula that doesn't really like add anything or like make people feel something then people aren't going to want to go to the movie and spend their money um especially if prices are like r- rising um during all this time so movies needed to bring their magic back and going like going to the movie is like it's an experience and if the magic of the movie goes down, then the theater experience goes down also. So the 
the way to bring back the magic was the megaplex and having these types of like giant places these giant corporatized places that would offer like all this types all these different types of concessions um like food like hot dogs nachos pizza and also having like beer and wine um and obviously you could smoke in these places and of course there was also the merchandising tie-ins um they would literally be selling like toys of kids movies at the theater to try and make extra money um, freddy fazbear pizza plex bursting out of me oh i can that tell was, that's that's where security breach the newest game took place was a pizza plex that was all freddy fazbear theme but it was exactly oh. that but instead of a movie theater it was the animatronics would like put on a show it was like a chuck e cheese megaplex whoa isn't that crazy that's actually really cool that i know dude, cool. i like dude. that concept no yeah. dude it's it's very um it's not set in the 80s but it's like 80s inspired like you would actually really like like the design of it jelly yeah that sounds cool um but also like something that obviously was leading to theater attendance dwindling was televisions um being like widely available in your home during this time and also the advent of like the home theater system having surround sound in your own house which a lot of the time I was seeing it was literally better than the movie theaters which is like a, a reason why people weren't going to the theaters anymore is because they were old and like shitty and the, the sound was really bad the pictures weren't that good so you could have an even better experience at your house of course people are going to do it at home so money you know having this shit available at your house instead of needing to go to the theater times changing technology's changing and with it like up until the 2000s i think at the 2000 mark theater attendance probably started dwindling um a lot more greatly because television the internet was available then we finally had like dvds blockbuster to actually take home um you didn't really need to go to the theater anymore so jill i actually have the numbers for 1995 until today yeah i can throw it in um so 1995 was 1200 and then actually wait wait up. i'm sorry what are these numbers exactly sorry 1200 it was tickets sold okay so like per, we- per week or in the year oh okay wait 1200 tickets sold. sorry i read it i <laughs> it's 1 billion 200 okay. Thousand. okay or 1 billion 200 <laughs> million really that sounds like 1200 <laughs> that's why i was like that's also why i like started i was like wait 1200 that's <laughs> ignore me okay so in 1995 it was one it's also interesting. So they, okay, I'm going to tell you the tickets sold and then they give you the adjusted box office oh, okay. rate for the year as well, because it's like, obviously like ticket prices change and inflation and shit like that. So right. I'm going to give the number of tickets sold and then like the money. But, um, so in 1995, it was 1 billion, 200 million. And then like by 19, 19- 99 it like plateaued at 1,444,000,000 and then when it it went down a bit back up um and then it actually like went it actually pretty much stayed the same it stayed between like 1,300,000,000 and 1,500,000,000 and then actually 2011 it crashed to 1,282,000,000 and then went back up, and then 2014 was one billion two hundred fifty-seven million, and then um, 
it went back to like the like 1.3 billion ish and then in 2020 went all the way down to 211 million oh wow which is crazy i mean obviously like we know why but then it only it doubled in 2021 but it still was only 434 million and then 2022 was 709 million and then this year so far has been 922 million so this year's like back on track yeah so that's like what they so basically like the numbers though stayed consistent like it stayed like money wise it stayed at about 13 billion to 14 billion and so right now again it's like back on track it's at 9.7 billion right now so by the end of the year we'll definitely hit at least like 12 million you know yeah yeah so it's interesting it's like stayed pretty consistent yeah even though it seems like it like dropped off yeah it does make sense that like at least with certain movies i i mean obviously inflation is only going to keep going up so it makes sense that like they can sell the same amount um with having even if it was just like one movie that made a shit ton of money because like avatar which i don't remember when that came out but that is literally the top grossing movie of all time which is and it's like like that, that came that out like 2008 right yeah. yeah yeah so it's kind of crazy like that movie alone probably made up like a good portion of sales of that year you know yeah True. yeah that's a really good that's a really good point so okay, that was my history lesson on the cinema of the eighties. Well, yeah. So I guess that was that's going into what I was looking at was like the nineties till now. Yeah. So it stayed pretty consistent, like I said. Um, and then obviously like crashed for COVID. So that's like one thing that like. Oh, actually, this is cool. This is this is a fun fact. Do you want to hear the top movie of each year? Yes. This table lists the top grossing movie for each year based on tickets sold for each movie during the course of the year starting in 95 yeah so it was batman forever 96 was independence day oh my god love yep 97 was men in black never seen it (laughs) 98 was titanic not surprising um that made up on batman forever what the fuck (laughs) even is that that's like it's one Batman of the sequels to it's uh no it's one of the sequels to <laughs> I believe one of actually I don't even know if it's a Michael Keaton one because I didn't realize that like that series of old Batman movies isn't even oh. all Michael Keaton it's like a bunch of nope. different Batmans this is I'm Val looking. Kilmer Val Kilmer Val Kilmer and Jimmy Carey God saying those names after one another <laughs> <laughs> mouthful um but so actually Titanic made in 2022 dollars almost one billion. It made $995 million. Um, And then 99 was Star Wars Episode One. 2000 was How the Grinch Stole Christmas. 2001 was Harry Potter Sorcerer's Stone. Not surprised. 2002 was Spider-Man. 2003 was Finding Nemo. Then Shrek 2. Star Wars Episode Three. Mm. Now we're 2006. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Not surprised. 2007, Spider-Man 3. 2008, Dark Knight. Not surprised by that either. 2009, Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen. 2010, Toy Story 3. 2011, Harry Potter, Deathly Hallows Part 2. 2012 was The Avengers. 2013, Iron Man 3. 2014, Gardens of the Galaxy. 2015, Star Wars Episode 7. Finding Dory, Star Wars Episode 8. Black Panther, Avengers Endgame, Bad Boys for Life, which I still have not seen that. I'm surprised that that was that, 
Or I guess that, I guess that was 2020. So like nobody watched anything. Yeah. 2020 <laughs> was, was No Way Home. 2022 was Top Gun Maverick. And then so far, I bet Barbie has. I think it's gonna be us now. Yeah. Yeah. It, but it was the Super Mario Bros. movie. But oh. I, I can look at when this. I don't know when when this was posted, but I mean Barbie like is still relatively new, so true. Um, I definitely think it's going to be Barbie. And it's still in theaters, so yeah. Yeah, exactly. That actually, they probably yeah wouldn't add it until it's completely done. But it's interesting. There is so much Marvel in there. Yeah, which is um, interesting because actually, which I'll I mean I'm not going to talk about this necessarily, but when I was researching more about Barbie and Oppenheimer, which I'll get to, they're talking. They kept using the word or I guess the term IP, which I don't know what that stands for. And I could have looked it up, but I know what they were referring to, and it's like things that what I'm assuming just things that have like already like a brand and a product behind them. Like Barbie has a strong IP. Batman oh, has like a strong intellectual IP. Intellectual property or okay, something. Okay. That makes sense. That's, that's probably exactly what it is. I don't even I don't know what know, point though. I was trying to make. Go right Jilly. Now. Go Jilly. <laughs> <I don't> go. <laughs> but yeah, all, all of it makes sense that almost all of those films that you mentioned would like, like have a strong IP. Well, and that's actually one thing like I've thought about like what makes me go to the movie. So, like, Barbie, I went because, like, I probably wouldn't have gone and seen it in the theaters, but, like, my mom and sister came out to see my townhouse, and then, like, I've, she saw we went to the Sycamore Theater. <laughs> I was, like, oh, last yeah. time I was here, she saw it, I got high off our ass and saw Secret Life of Pets too. <laughs> <laughs> With the, the fucking Keanu Reeves audience. Keanu Reeves' random little portrait in the bathroom from, like, It's above the toilet, above on the, the wall. Toilet. There's also an Orlando in Blue the movie? one, someone in there, in the bathroom. No, in the bathroom. Oh, okay, I'm yes, like, wait, the in the theater for Secret Life of Pets 2, it was like a 2 p.m. showing on like a weekday. Yeah. And in the theater, it was one old lady that looked like she was like dead, possibly. <laughs> we were like, we're, she's a corpse. Literally one guy that looks like a potential school shooter. <laughs> <laughs> and then us. It's a vibe. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely was. It was fun. But, um, so, like, that's what made me go to that. But what I'm seeing later, like, I'm mentally planning is I'm seeing Five Nights at Friday's, duh, which has, like, high IP. And then I'm seeing, I'm I'm going to go see the new Saw movie. Um, I'm going to go by myself because I'm so, like, psycho about Saw. And we know how I love to, like, gatekeep my interests. I feel like, <laughs> no, you don't get because. I mean, that's a whole other conversation of like you don't understand you might be interested in it as well but it's not the same way i am exactly so don't try to relate to me about it so that's why i want to like i'm gonna just gonna see saw alone um but that's saw 10 so same thing like there's a whole franchise and i realized oh, yeah. that's like what i go and i've like said this without realizing it, it but i totally feel that like stereotype is what I say is like I don't want to like waste the money and like I'm not super big into theaters so I don't want to waste the time and money to see a movie I don't know I'm gonna like so then like going to something that I already know the franchise is like a safer bet and so I feel like I'm not surprised like other people feel feel similarly like it has to feel like worth your money whereas like Again, like with Barbie, it did end up being worth my money just to like go with my mom and my sister and whatever. But I had to burp. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyways. So I guess, yeah, that makes sense that all those are, yeah, part of the part of a 
they're part of like a franchise that already existed or like one of it was like I feel like like a Pixar movie I feel like that's like even though it's not I feel like that's the same as it being a Marvel movie so even though there wasn't already a Finding Nemo it's like you know that that yeah. the production company is like yeah, well that known. studio make yeah, or, yeah so the same studio, thing like they're the you're like there we there wasn't a Black Panther movie before but it's Marvel and you know like you know kind of like the style of it so I think it is like there were two big blockbuster movies so far and the Mario Brothers movie I wasn't even thinking about that but that also was a blockbuster movie this year so sales are like back up but people still obviously there's like the worry of like what is going to happen because I think also COVID people got used to not going to the movies and so one argument is to like make it a habit again so make that part of your like oh every friday night we go to the movies like people got out of that habit and so like movies have been trying to do like or theater it seems like it's smaller theaters are trying to do like themed things so like one theater gave an example of like they did like a pj night whatever and they like reshowed land before time and Which I I haven't seen that movie in years. I want to rewatch it. Um, That's an eighties movie. Show, yeah, <laughs> oh, if I you show up in your PJs, you got like free small popcorn. And they said like that was like one of their like high selling nights because nice. like people were so into it. So that's yeah. like one thing is like to like theaters need to like add some like novelty to it again. So there's stuff like that. And then the other argument, um. Like, so this one actually says the movies are so big, it's multiplexes are getting smaller. Since the number, mm-hmm. since 2019, the total number of screens has decreased by around 3,000. Wow. Um, and so they're like getting rid of those like bigger plexes and stuff like that. Yeah. And so again, I think it's back to this is from like what I read and personal experience i think we're back to how you're saying in the 80s like sound systems at home were better at the theater i don't think that's generally the case right but i think it is at least like for me you get i'm like i can just watch that at home and so that's another thing people are saying like theaters need to find a way to like update basically like heighten the watching experience where you can't do it at home right yeah. and so i think like 3d movies they thought was going to be it and like that did not <laughs> that just didn't land i think i went and saw like two 3d movies and like i know a bunch of people made them like motion sick no yeah. exactly like, no now it's like literally if you're looking at showtimes it's like i need to do whatever i can to avoid the three right yeah like, exactly no. yeah um and so um obviously there's like 4d which i've never seen a 4d movie um but that's like one thing that might be like get bigger but uh, i honestly think that uh i mean there are a lot of potential like solutions to that but i think that like the big thing that could help is like honestly more imax theaters because for example in chicago there are really only two imax theaters there's that i know of in chicago i think there's two like pretty far apart one that's close to me in a theater that i fucking hate regal cinema it's jank as fuck amc ho um Um, and then there's like one in the suburbs like at least the suburbs um i was gonna say isn't there one by where we grew up 
I'm pretty I think sure so, but I can't. I think it's literally Golf Mill. Like I literally think Golf yeah. Mill is one of the only IMAX ones near us, which is crazy. Which is crazy. You would think it would be like Woodfield or um, I know, Hawthorne I know, or something. But I do think that would be like probably like the 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 thing that would heighten the experience. I mean, now some theaters are doing like Dolby Atmos for sound and like a bunch of other stuff that like makes the viewing experience better. But it's select theaters, which well, is really so frustrating. That's one thing this article was saying. Is that like some of them are switching to like, I can't find the exact word right now, but it was, it's like basically like a laser projection. Um, and so it's like expensive to switch the projector over to that. But over time, it like saves money because it like takes less products to like do it and it makes the um, screen like brighter and sharper. Mm-hmm. And so that would like enhance like, I don't have a laser screen at home, you know? So yeah. that would be one thing, which is similar to what you're saying is like, which not to be a dumbass, but I don't even know what the difference between IMAX and normal is. IMAX is huge. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, but aren't like all, all theater screens like big. No, this they're not. IMAX is a different size. Yeah. And it's like oh. floor. It's like floor to ceiling basically. And oh, the sound okay. is very intense. It's like, it's, I do get confused with some it's more things, like though, immersive. Yes. Yes. And I do get confused though with like some things like how I saw actually with, with what you mentioned with like theme nights and everything. Music boxes a really good job of having film series, which I think that a way that movie theaters could also thrive outside of just like art type of artsy type of theaters and historical theaters. If other theaters also played movies from the past, I don't just mean yeah. like distant past. I mean like I doing think it's re-releases. Yeah, re-releases, and I don't really understand why they don't do that in off periods. There's a fucking there's a lot of off periods where I'm dying to go to the movies, and I'm like, there is nothing out that I want to see yeah. right now. Well, that's right. one. I think what might be difficult. Like, I wonder if it's difficult to like get the rights to show a movie. Oh, good point. Because like they have to. It's not like they can just pop it in you know it's like they have to like get approval basically and so that's why like disney movies now you can stream on disney plus but you couldn't buy they would release a movie from the vault oh um, right when we were growing up with like dvds and then like i went and saw lion king in theaters so it's like they are very selective about when they do it so i wonder if that's like why like artsy movie theaters will do that because that's all they do and so they yeah. schedule out the year. And so then it's harder for like bigger theaters to like then jump through the hoops to like show it. But I I mean, I agree. There was like a Studio Ghibli like that yeah. was coming back. And then Coraline's actually coming to theaters end of the month. I think um, Heather's is coming to some nice. places because it's like the anniversary. Nice. Um, okay. Well, so another thing that I had not heard of is... Okay, yeah. So the, there's driving demand for premium large format screens like IMAX's curved giant displays, Dolby's Lux auditoriums, or Screen X's two seventy degree screens that extend production onto three walls. What? Which like, I don't know if I would like. <laughs> it sounds like I, too like, much. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna get whiplash. Like, right. I'm gonna hurt my neck whipping my head around to watch oh something. Oh my god. Um, this is what I'm like. I have never heard of this. It seems it's like basically like 4d i think but even more immersive movie experiences although still niche appear to be growing d box puts you in a moving haptic seat usually positioned in a prime location of an otherwise standard auditorium which is so funny to me to think Wait, of like what? you're you're in a normal seat and then the person like two rows in front of you is in like a vibrating like a uh, <laughs> like seat for the so movie so it's only some seats in the seat yeah thing. so it's like that company it seems like 
goes to theaters and installs the seats. It's not Whoa. like they have a theater themselves. And so, okay. Um, more intense formats like 40X and MX4D build upon motion cheers with blasts of air, water and fog, even set- scent effects and haptics that tickle or punch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing like one of those like cartoon like boxing gloves like on a, on a thing like you just literally get punched in the face it's a fight scene and you're like actually taking uppercuts oh my god <laughs> oh my god but so it says D-Box is among the most prevalent present in more than 800 auditoriums globally including a large part partnership with Cinemark which I so I'm like I've never even heard of this I am a little confused by that because how do you make a movie like a version of a movie that's specifically going to be played in a theater that has one of those or like does the company come up with it themselves i think the company does it themselves like so they would have a program like they program it to go along with the movie right and then like that seat probably has a computer and it plays that program that starts at the same time in the movie so it will be like at the seat we'll know at 37 minutes and 42 seconds jolt a little bit because they yeah. get like there's a car wreck or something you know like I assume that's what it is okay. it's probably either that well I, actually I guess it has to be that because I was also thinking like maybe it'd be sound triggered yeah but, like because you know there's also like there's like smart lights that like my friend Alex has I'm hooked up to like his TV Google. where like the lights he has lights behind his TV and they like mimic what's on his TV so oh, right. it lights up behind him but it's like colors it's not like a projection yeah so it just like looks like the edge so I'm like there's I'm sure there's like a bunch of different mm. stuff they mix together like there might be some lighting tricks like that but then also like yeah I think they probably just program it um so i'm I'm picturing like how they get like a scent into a movie oh right i'm picturing like 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 a a, a puff of like a fart smell that's gotta be that's the only thing i could think of like what other scent is significant when you're watching a movie it's like a putrid one What if they're I at a restaurant and they're like, oh, the blast the and the spaghetti smell. <laughs> okay, that would actually be dope, though, like watching like Ratatouille. And they like when he's oh. cooking. Have, when's the last time you guys saw Ratatouille? He's like cooking. I remember. He's tasting things and smelling and there's like, like colors. Oh, yeah. 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 That would be cool if you could like smell with him. But then I'm just picturing like puffs of air being like shot And you know it's you, not like... going to, no matter what, the quality can't be that good. No. Like, I'm picturing like Smencil's quality. Like, <laughs> Smencil's would make me feel so sick because it was so, did you ever do those, Jill? What is that? Smencils. They literally were pencils that came like, in tubes that were like infused with like a scent. But it okay. was so fakey. I would have to this this is also this is autism. I would have to switch seats because the scent would make me feel sick. I was so like overstimulated by oh, it. Man. If the person if the person next to me was using a smencil, like smencil smelled more artificial than like artificial banana smell. Yeah, oh. well, the, like the smelly markers. Yeah, those were those. good. That yeah. shit, like I would huff that shit. It was not like that. It was like it's it, it had like an undertone of like burnt rubber. I don't know. Like it was just so manufactured. Anyways, so I think that's along the lines. I think that's going to be the next 3D thing where for a moment it gets really big. And like I'm sure I'll eventually see one of these boxing 
chairs and like <laughs> use one but like I don't I think that's also going to be kind of a flop like I feel like that yeah. to me is something more to have at like Universal Studios yeah they have they have that I at, think like, they have Clifton that for like a bug's Hill. life yeah, yeah like that to me that is like an attraction right I wouldn't want every like sometimes I want to sit and watch a movie I don't want to be right. bounced around in my chair <laughs> yeah. like I'm not like literally imagine like watching some really hardcore action movie or like a movie with like a driving chase scene and it's like you're like whipping around and like whatever but so I have a feeling that's gonna burn itself out soon because it's also got to be expensive yeah but so also I guess I mean, my point I'm sure you could probably get hurt on that honestly yeah, yeah. True. they're gonna have True. one gotta buckle in. literally and... that's gonna change it all <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so um I think like that's those are all like things that are they're trying to find a way to like make it new and I do think like though that is the route that needs to be taken because if they want to get it back to like where it used to be like I mean obviously like as we saw like for the numbers for this year like theaters are still like doing fine like all things considered you know they're like doing fine it's not like they're like we're at risk of like losing the movie theater industry but if they want to like bring it back to like its former glory I think they do need to find a way to make it where it's like oh I can't do that at home you know right and so I think like yeah maybe the laser screen will be better or like like for me I don't know like for me like FNAF why I want to see it I'm going to the midnight release because like I'm so into that I want to be surrounded by like I want to geek the fuck out and be surrounded so part of it is like wanting to see it with a group but then it's also like people don't always want that. I don't know, you know. So I think it's like yeah. it's such movie watching is such an individualized experience. Everybody has like different like tastes and like what they want from a movie watching experience. Like it's so difficult to like think of like where they could go that yeah. would make it better than being able to like be home, like to the general public, be home and like personalize your movie experience. You know, because right. like when you go to a theater you're giving up some like autonomy of the movie watching experience by like not being able to pause and not like being in your own couch and not having your drinks and your food and having you know like all that kind of stuff right I feel like uh, I felt like something that I'm thinking about not like that the theaters themselves would be doing but they definitely could be like upping the marketing that they're doing for movies that are coming out now because I feel like I'm thinking back to when like the craziest times were that I was at the movie theater and that was absolutely the last Harry Potter movie. They literally were on every single screen in there were playing the movie at the midnight premiere and every single one was completely full. So yeah, I'm like, yeah. I feel like there's not really movies that have come out lately that are like uniting everybody like that. Um, like maybe like Marvel. Yeah, but. I like not filling up every single screen in a theater you know like there's yeah. not really like cultural icons like that anymore well I think I think it was like we had Star Wars and then yeah. we had Harry Potter and there's been other stuff that's like reared its head but like not like catching our Hunger Games um was big for a minute and like Twilight was big for like a minute but they haven't had like the cultural impact it's like yeah it's not something like the movie theater can do it's like we just got to wait and see i think that will yeah. be really indicative of 
people's opinions on theaters if something new comes out that that's that is that like culturally significant i feel like it's like game of thrones was but that was yeah or like stranger um, yeah. that's what we were saying last year we're like if yeah. stranger things was shown in a movie theater It'd i would be, be so fucking, fucking yeah. seated yeah so and so it's like dope. a bunch of the stuff that's become like cultural phenomenon are shows yeah and so it's like i wonder when a movie is going to come out that's going to do that and i think that that will give us a good idea of like do people still want to go to theaters or are they going to wait for it to go shown at home another thing too actually that has been interesting is like fnaf it's theatrical release is it's also being released on peacock the same day yeah that's weird and so i have a lot okay sorry you know you continue so yeah no i mean i'll i'll let you take it away but i guess my point is that's just dumb like that's dumb as shit why are you doing that like i if it were not five nights at freddy's and i was not like i'm gonna dress up and show up and like i need to like ah with everybody there yeah my ass would be seated at home and i'll watch it at home (laughs) because it's not just going to the theater isn't my cup of tea so if i can do one or the other i might as well stay home like i guess it makes more sense like it's still even though like the mario movie it came out uh like on streaming about a month after it came out in theaters which is still too short because then i was like i'm just gonna wait a month you know like i feel like they like need to delay it if they want if they really want to like milk theaters they need to stop doing that i've for me personally I like that they do that because then I could do it at home. But like recognizing for the sake of like the theater movie theater industry, like why I don't understand why they do that. Like, well, okay. Can I, I, can I say one thing one right before you say this, just to, I didn't mention this when I was bringing up the history, but like a lot of studios used to own theaters and would like want their movies to go to that theater specifically. Even in the eighties, they were still having issues with like monopolies on the theater and like, Sony literally had their own theaters. They owned the DVDs to print them on. They owned a production studio. So, like, they had everything going their way. So, they would obviously, like, milk the theater time longer because they're going to make money either way. Yeah. Yeah. So, now it's, like, everything is all separated. There's, like, so many different studios and production companies that, like, they can't really, like, align like that. I don't know. They'd rather have the money for themselves than giving it to to AMC. It's faster faster money to let peacock stream it and then like they get the revenue from the streams i guess yeah, yeah they're they're not thinking about the money that, that the, the theater theater is gonna make they're yeah. just thinking about their movie yeah that's a good point okay yeah go ahead yeah. Chiso. okay well in 1948 there was a court case um with the u.s versus paramount pictures which is <clears throat> talking about what jill's talk what jill mentioned mm. um because they basically are trying to prevent this monopoly that was happening with film distribution and ticket prices and everything. And then there are still have been issues that have come up after that, but that was an attempt at helping with some of that when this like first originated and, or when I guess when like theater became even bigger. So that's just some context on that. But um, you guys are referring to is the theatrical window, which is the time that that the window of time that a movie is in theaters and the time has significantly shortened even I mean now now with COVID there's implications with like the release on streaming platforms and stuff like that but before that um the theatrical window had I think like in the 90s it was still 
this video that I watched talked about how, like, I think one of the Toy Story films, I don't think it was the first one, but one of them, I think the DVD for it or the VHS for it came out like 11 months after the theatrical release. And now it's completely different. I mean, then later on, I think it was like a standard of, I think like 90 days for a DVD to be released um, around like 2019. And then that has just significantly shortened over time, especially because of COVID. So basically during the pandemic, there have been a lot of platforms that have been pushing for like the shorter theatrical window for a long time to have it on platforms immediately and to make that money faster by just having, you know, obviously more accessible for more people to watch. And theaters have like strongly pushed against that. Like they've boycotted things like Netflix and stuff before because like there is a separation between theater owners and movie production companies now. And there was one company in particular that was like really, really pushing for that for a long time would not budge and it was universal. So I just looked up and they, they did adapt, but I just looked it up and Five Nights at Freddy's is produced by Universal. So it makes sense. They would not budge on that. Other companies wanted to shorten the time that it was in theaters and moved on to platforms. Universal wanted to basically have it be like at the same time as the theaters, which like did happen for some films in 2020 and then 2021. But during the pandemic, Universal had two options for like the Trolls World Tour movie. And it was either... <laughs> <laughs> that's the movie they're like all right we got to change our opinion (laughs) but i feel like that probably did well trolls was actually really big i know for whatever reason it was the highest grossing digital release because it was it was released just like on streaming platforms as all theaters were closed during that time so that was like the universal's way they've been pushing for this and that was like oh they're like like, literally we have like now now we we have our ink because theaters are closed so whatever they're like oh what are you gonna do what are you gonna do no literally cry about it know that they're like nah, 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 nah. no straight up so trolls world trolls world tour became the highest grossing digital release and it made more in three weeks digitally than the original trolls movie did in theater for five months holy shit which i will also say confounding factors it was also during covid yeah and like, like obviously that's gonna be the only movie that that happened to no literally literally and obvious and like with children at home and everything and obviously like I know that this is naturally going to benefit them more if they're just trying to make money on the film, but like, yeah, it's more accessible to people to watch it for people to watch at home. So that just, like, it's not an actual, like, you know, it's not like a, an, right. an actual fair. Well, and I would say too, it being a children's movie, like kids are annoying as shit. Like I feel like parents, yeah. parents are like, let's watch this. Let's have a home movie night and <laughs> exactly. like popcorn here. Cause they're like, I'm not going to bring my annoying ass child to a theater like please exactly so because that happens then as soon as the theater started to reopen some by the end of 2020 but then especially in 2021 some production companies wanted to release films on both formats so like regal and amc theaters had obviously an issue with this and they wanted to boycott universal because they were the ones that were pushing for it to happen at the same time after they had released trolls world tour and it was so successful on just digital clash of the titans no straight up (laughs) and then disney warner brothers and universal ended up doing this basically in 2021 like i don't know if you guys remember that on h well back then hbo max now fucking max for some reason but <laughs> they um which is literally just so fucking stupid i was just talking about i hate that someone. kind of I it's hate no that shit. Stupid. someone said it in a conversation recently and i was like who is max who? <laughs> 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 they're like it's on max i'm like wait who though um, like, oh max no, has it oh max oh yeah, yeah. you know yeah like the dvd I like which know. max do we know fuck <laughs> um but yeah then in 2022 which actually i also remember in 2021 there being an issue with this when black widow was released which admittedly was also just not that great of a movie but <laughs> that was like that was like one of like the only female-led 
Marvel movies. And it was also one of the only Marvel movies that was released at the same time on digital. So naturally, that's going to affect the people going to the theater. Obviously, also because of the pandemic, obviously still very right. much at a high in 2021. But it's I feel just like, like they, they should not be using any data from COVID to like I make know. long-term decisions. Not, exactly. Exactly. Um, but then in 2022, at, like they came to a compromise because these production studio these film production studios started to realize okay there is obviously a very big advantage to also having it in theaters it helps a lot with press it helps a lot with like with like the excitement that comes with like the it makes an event out of it obviously to go to the movies and stuff like that for something for a for a big film or any film in general so they came to an agreement disney paramount and warner brothers agreed to a 45 day window for the theatrical release before it goes on streaming and then there's also like some more specifics like it's like before it goes on streaming and then before it goes on DVD and whatever and stuff like that. And Universal didn't really want to fully give up the possibility of just releasing on digital. So they agreed to give theaters a portion of their digital release revenue. I didn't look into like how successful that has been and if theaters have actually been happy with it. But I mean, given that that's, they came to an agreement on that. Yeah, and well, that's happening with FNAF. So it's like clearly. Exactly. It hasn't been an issue yet. Exactly. It lasts. Exactly. And they also secured, Universal specifically secured a theatrical window of 31 days on big movies in theaters and 17 days on smaller movies, which I was actually literally just thinking about this yesterday because I was try- I was desperately trying to find a movie to watch and I've already seen Barbie twice and, I've- and I want to see Oppenheimer again, but I didn't want to watch that yesterday. And they're like, no, and I've seen Talk to Me, which I really liked. So I haven't seen, there aren't any other films that I really want to see out in theaters right now. And I was trying to find like anything to watch and I was like damn even like I just also watched Spider-Man again or spy across Spider-Verse again for the third time this week because I wanted to watch it before it left theaters and it it did already it, le- it left theaters a couple of days after um so that I know that that one was in there for a while but most films that I saw even just like a month ago are already not in theaters anymore and I was like damn that's like a that was a pretty yeah. small theatrical window right um but yeah i wanted to see indiana jones this summer oh. and then i was like fuck it's already gone it's already gone i yeah. didn't even know it was out no, already. i think it was out for like less than a month bruh and that's a I, I, I just don't understand why don't they keep showing it in theater and digitally release yeah i don't know i really you're that's like, like i really don't get what they have to lose by doing that like you're no matter what you're having you're just increasing the possibility the yeah. possible avenues and like realistically for me i mean i still i haven't seen any of the indiana jones movies and i do want to watch them eventually i know that for me i honestly would much prefer i mean with most most things is i love going to the movies like i'd much prefer seeing that in theaters and it's going to be a lot harder for me to sit my ass at home and watch <laughs> the indiana jones movies right so that's annoying as fuck um but part of the reason why this topic like came about in general aside from our love for movies is because of like the cultural zeitgeist that is barbie and oppenheimer and barbenheimer and whatever that whole thing because obviously it is like crazy that movies that are so such a contrast in like i mean cinematography vibe everything could be coming out literally on the same day and that has happened other times in history um there are other examples but one of the big ones was dark knight and mama mia coming out on the same day which i believe was 2008 was it 2008 that sounds right around that time i guess i can see i'll quickly check my little thingy uh yeah 2008 so that's so that it's thank you um it's rare for completely different films like that to come out on the same day there have been times in the past where like movie studios have released what they've called twin films which when you think of examples it's like 
I, I remember thinking this when I was a kid. I was like, why, why are these coming out at the same time? They're like the same premise, basically. Like no strings attached, attached and friends with benefits came out at the same yes. time. Yeah. yeah. A Bug's Life versus Ants. <laughs> Not versus Ants. Okay, but... <laughs> <laughs> They're at war. Okay, but also Ants, like, literally, like, that's like the ugly forgotten twin. No, literally. <laughs> I, never, <laughs> I literally, I like, I never, I, I, I like for me, Ants was like, like the jank version of yeah, Bugs Life. Ants a great value. Yeah, Ants, Ants is Roku and Bugs Life is Fire Stick. Literally, <laughs> literally, literally. Um, but yeah, Roku less, City. <laughs> Roku City being being colonized by Barbie for a second. Okay, and yeah. then it's gonna get nuked by Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. You go, and it's like a nuclear wasteland. <laughs> it's post-apocalyptic now. <laughs> uh, okay, but um, some things, like, so, there are some speculations about why these came out at the same time. And obviously, this is just speculation, but, like, in the video and the articles that I read about this, it seems like an actual, like, like a, a, a probably true speculation. So, um, Christopher Nolan, which I know you guys know this, but the director of Oppenheimer... He originally worked with Warner Brothers, but then around Tenet, he separated from them because Warner Brothers was starting to focus on the digital release that he did not like agree with, especially for Christopher Nolan films like that are like so grand, you know. Um, so it's speculated that Warner Brothers, because Warner Brothers is the production company for Barbie, that they did this is like a fuck you to Nolan, thinking that the marketing and everything would kind of like. That it, it would just you know take away. From they did go ape shit on the Barbie no, marketing exactly to the yeah. point where kind of I was like it gave away and honestly it gave away some of the movie which was really annoying. It gave away a lot of like it didn't give away like the actual plot point ultimately, but I think that it did give away a lot of like well, interesting and it was just part. like annoying that like not that I don't like things being pink, but like it was just like annoying <laughs> like you couldn't do anything without like seeing a Barbie reference. Yeah, literally like Gucci. Like Gucci and like Chanel were putting out like all Barbie these brands were merch. doing Barbie stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know. It gets to the point where like I still ended up really liking the movie and stuff, but it gets to the point where it's like, don't force this down my throat. Let me exactly. decide when I'm going to consume this. Don't saturate the entire, like every single market with this. Right. I can't remember how much it was, but I know that their marketing, I, I had seen the number a couple of weeks ago and it was like an insane number that was put into their marketing, which I mean, obviously shows their marketing has been like in- incredible in both good and bad ways. Um, 150 million. Wow. <laughs> and that was, was that, cause I know that also like Mattel obviously contributed. So it was an even like, I mean, they just yeah. had they had they had the marketing on all fronts for that film, which obviously really helped with everything. But, anyways, um, the Warner Brothers attempt, well, speculated attempt to take away from Oppenheimer was a dud, and it had the opposite effect because every time that Barbie released a trailer, Oppenheimer <laughs> would actually start trending on Google. Um, but yeah, and obviously those two films are very different in like in almost every way and at the same time like the actual creation of them in some ways has similarities like it's by two two influential filmmakers that are kind of like I mean Christopher Nolan has been at his prime for a while but kind of at their prime right now with like incredible teams behind the film um and also like it's interesting because the other production companies that are a part of it are also they have some similarities like so Aside from Warner Brothers for Barbie, 
Margot Robbie's production company also produced it and it's Margot Robbie and her husband and then for Christopher Nolan it was his production company that I can't remember the name and it was him it's him and his wife um but I think that these two movies coming out at the same time has just I don't know it's made it's made the experience that much more of a cultural moment which obviously I think that like everyone could agree with regardless of like your views on either movie and I that makes me really happy because like I love going to movie theaters so so much and I think that this has incentivized people to go to the theaters for the first time in a long time especially because of COVID people that normally wouldn't go and I think that it has also possibly made people go to movies that they wouldn't normally go to because they're such opposite films but it's such a it's a whole thing like Barbie versus Oppenheimer and stuff like that but I think people who would have seen Barbie but not a film like Oppenheimer might be seeing Oppenheimer and vice versa and that makes me really happy and I think that with both films I mean Barbie is also very grand so I do think that it's also good on the big screen but especially with Oppenheimer I think that it is so it's a movie that's like about like spectacle in a lot of ways and like in horrible tragic ways and also just like I mean like literally a visual spectacle which Music Box actually had a film series happening the week prior that I went to most of the films for that it had a bunch of films on 70 millimeter happening and it was all about the spectacle like the movies that they chose were Nope which is literally about have you both seen Nope? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like literally like, like viewing that as a spectacle and also the movie itself felt that way as a viewing experience. Babylon is, is, is grand and a spectacle. They also had Boogie Nights, which is the only one I didn't see, but I also saw Inception and then Oppenheimer ultimately on 70 millimeter, which was like absolutely stunning. And yeah, just to like tie things together on my opinions on like the movies and stuff, I think I actually saw this thing on Reddit, someone saying like, because someone's in favor of movie theaters was saying, well, it's part, the experience of being around a community for something that you love. Like when you, when you mentioned with Five Nights at Freddy's, Nikki, like that to me is such an important part of it. Like I, I remember, I think about this moment all the time and I feel this myself when I go to them, but I remember the second time I watched No Way Home in theaters, it was only a couple of weeks after its release. And, and I watched it with Lynn and Lynn turned to me and was like, oh my God, so people are seeing this for the first time. And it gave me this like this super warm and like giddy feeling realizing, oh my God, like I get to experience this for the first time to an extent with them again. And it was such a, it was such a beautiful film experience for the first time for me and other people who are big fans of Spider-Man that it just, I don't know, it's, it's such a cool feeling to be around people who like love it as much and to hear, you can literally feel the excitement and you can, and hearing the laughter and everything just like makes you laugh at moments that you wouldn't, that I wouldn't laugh at at home necessarily. And yeah. I, I don't know, I, I, I think it's, I think moments like, that are like so beautiful in such a cool way to enjoy art together regardless of what you consider like a lot of these films to be even though all films to an extent are a form of art so yeah yeah no I definitely yeah like I get that that's why I want to go to like specifically the midnight premiere yeah because I'm like since I I'm so obsessed with FNAF like I don't want I want to watch it with other people who love it so much that they're going to go to the midnight premiere like I don't and so, but I think that's also kind of where we differ is that I don't want to watch it with people who won't appreciate it as much as I yeah. do. So that's also sometimes when like, I'd re- that's why I'm like, I'm going to go watch Saw by myself. But like, I think that's also like, I hate when I'm like in a theater and like people are talking or like on their phone or something like that. Like, it makes me like very like frustrated. Like it makes me feel like icky. And so it's like, that is, I think like I a hundred percent get what you're saying and I agree with what you're saying I think I just get nervous 
that I'm not going to have that experience. And I'd rather have the safe experience of watching it at home or like with friends that I know are going to like respect it and enjoy it than going and like having like shitty people in the theater, you know, because that that sucks like when it like kind of gets ruined like that, you know. I I, I mean, yeah. I definitely know what you mean. I've been very grateful that for a while now every film that I've seen especially especially films that I love I've had a really good viewing experience with the crowd and everything but I have had films in the past that I wasn't as passionate about but I was still clearly excited to see enough to be there where people were just talking the whole time like literally like like out loud and like literally getting kicked out and everything because it was so intense. oh my god, so, god yeah so it's I I do completely understand that and something else I was thinking of as we we're talking about this that is something that I experience in my day-to-day life it is very, very, very stressful for me. Surprisingly, as much as I love watching movies, it sucks because like it's very hard for me to watch them at home. Like when I'm home alone, and it sucks. Is like I want, I love spending time alone, and if I'm alone, I can choose whatever I want to watch, and then that is paralyzing to me. Yesterday, or it was either yesterday or no, on Friday, which this happens to me, I would say, at <laughs> least eight out of ten times when I'm looking for a movie to watch, I spent. I'm not kidding, three hours trying to choose a movie. And then it was too late, so I didn't watch a movie. And that happens to me almost every single – every time that I have, like, a Friday night, I'm like, hell yeah, I have to watch a movie. I'm so excited, but I'm, like, paralyzed by the choices that I can make and have and choosing the perfect one for my Friday night alone to watch a movie. Now, I 100% understand because I do the same thing. That's why, like, I was like, I'm going to watch 100 new horror movies this year because at least that, like, narrows it down. Like when I'm like, I'm going to do like this because otherwise I'm like, I could literally watch almost anything. I have all these streaming <laughs> platforms like exactly yeah, whatever. And so that's also why I love watching Siri. Like I just mm. rewatched all the Saw movies um, because it's like, I know next time I sit down, Saw 2, next time Saw 3, the decision is made for me it's you know I just have to decide I'm gonna watch the Saw franchise and then it's when I have time to you know so I totally get that and it's just like I mean that's like the classic like argument for like consumerism is like the illusion of choice exactly like when you go to a theater you only have six options and that's still choice but it's not like I don't know nobody likes that much it's like going to a grocery store without like a list yeah like I could buy anything here I don't know what I want and so like that's why you go with the list like that's also why now what I try to do at least is um, if I'm sitting down to watch a movie by myself, I go through my watch list on Letterboxd and see which ones are available for streaming. Yeah. And then I just pick, and then I just pick between those. And it also helps if I keep it just free because like you could pay for pretty much any of them. Yeah. And not that I'm against paying for a movie, but again, it's like to help narrow it down. Like I just go through and like usually then it will get me like a list of like I mean right now my watch list is pretty small because I've like worked through a lot of it but like it would give me a list of like seven honestly because they rotate through and then that's a lot easier to pick from I have a question about because I've actually thought about exactly that because ultimately what ends up happening is I actually and I keep on I keep choosing movies that I have to rent anyways which like if I really want to see it I don't mind but it's like I spent so many hours trying to choose a movie when I and I realized I could just be narrowing it down by the ones that I do have available to me before they're, they're gone from that streaming platform yeah on Letterboxd exactly. it's like can you like fil- can you filter through on your watch list like ones that are available for streaming or do you like click on ones and see I um so you can like put in on Letterboxd, you can put in what streaming services you have. 
I did and not so know I that. Think, yeah, I think, but I think that's a premium thing. That's that's a good idea. I I like absolutely need to do that because I was even also just thinking like my watch list. I have so many in there because I want to remember movies that I see that I like want to watch eventually. And I think that like I don't know maybe one in thirty times do I think let me check my watch list to think of what I want to watch. <laughs> yeah. I don't no, know why I, I do that. that. Instead, I just look at other people's lists and not watch lists, but I look at like lists of like vibes and stuff like that. Um, I wanted to go back to what you were saying, Chasel, about how this makes you so happy, like Barbie and Oppenheimer creating a kind of cultural phenomenon moment and bringing people out to the theater. Um, I feel like that is like one aspect of the '80s that I really so badly wish that I could experience is like going to one of these like original blockbuster films. And experiencing that with, like, all the other people in the crowd watching shit for the first time. I so feel you, Jill. Like, I I know that, like, your thing is the 80s. And I I do think about that frequently with things, like, with just, like, the simplicity of life back then. And I think of specifically the excitement of movies. And the second thing is, like, malls for some reason. Just, like, absolutely the the shit is, like, the mall and, like, movies. And that was, like, the coolest thing ever. Or I think of, like, I think of, like, arcades. Oh, arcades, too. yes. Yeah. yeah. Things we've never experienced. So <laughs> act like that's like something from our childhood. No, literally. Yeah, right. <laughs> it feels like I it. miss I miss arcades. It feels yeah. like it. Well, it and it's closer also it's just, to like, that. so I do like I think because like there's a bunch of stuff like that there's like childlike wonder about that like I did mm-hmm. experience when I was younger, but being a part of like like all those things were like obviously not new but like the concept of blockbuster movies and like malls were like bigger and like arcades were like newer in the 80s and stuff that is a cultural childlike wonder yeah Yeah. true you know and so I think that's why like you I at least for me I feel jealous of like because I I don't know I'm constantly like I always like want to kind of feel that you know like feeling like yeah because it brings like excitement back to life yeah so then to be like oh my god like to be in a decade where like so many new exciting things are coming out like novelty i'm constantly yeah exactly like because like now all the shit that's coming out is like a new iphone that's basically the same as the old exactly and like there's nothing like i guess we were like alive for the smartphone that was like a big thing but also we were like pretty young when it did like come out you know so yeah it's just different yeah like that wasn't like not everybody could have a smartphone but anybody could go to the mall exactly right yeah i have something to say that they mentioned in babylon i was trying then i'll i don't have anything else to add i know it's running late but like um in babylon brad pitt's character at one point this is like not a spoiler at all but he's like talking to someone that's involved in like broadway and this is also at a time when there are some struggles happening with actors because like of the transition from silent film to talkies and he t- I don't the way he said it was like beautiful and I can't remember what the quote was now but talking about how like movie theaters are for the people because not everyone can go to plays and stuff like that movie theaters are accessible for everyone and, and just it's a way for you to escape regardless of like your income even though I know movie theaters are also very expensive but back then they were obviously less expensive I'm assuming yeah. um, I mean definitely less, less expensive than now but yeah, and that made me really happy because it is a way for people to experience a type of escapism that is like accessible to most populations yeah. in ways that yeah, other forms true. of like art like that aren't. Right. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Um, I had just have one thing to add. So I wanted to bring up 
some stuff that Richard Kelly was talking yes. about um, in the Q&A from last night. So people like a lot of people were asking kind of about how he views the film industry now and like what his plans are for the future. Um, and he was saying, so he's only released three movies and his third film was The Box, which is from like the 2000s also. Um, is that the one with is that the one where it was like press the button and somebody dies? Yeah. Oh, I've okay. oh I didn't I that, was that was him. him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's kind of. I thought that was like a more like mainstream. Right. right? Okay. It definitely is. Yeah. Um, but like he hasn't released any movies since then, and he was t- saying that he's like been working on a lot of stuff, but that there's been like a lot of roadblocks and just like a lot of delays, and he he's like there's been a lot of like snipers out in the field. Like blocking the road, literally. <laughs> Damn. He's like, I'm He's getting like, shot. <laughs> yeah, straight up. He was like, it's not uh, like it's it's tough out there because he's saying that there is like because everything is digital now, or you can make movies digitally a lot more easily. Like you can film stuff on an iPhone and make a pretty good looking movie. It's like gotten a lot cheaper to produce films, and because of that. The, f- the field is like so saturated with movies now and with people putting them out that it's like such a competition to get money and to get production companies to want to sign on to something. And also there is a small pool of actors now. Um, he was saying like a-, a lot of people are competing for the same people. Um, so it's that just, it's, true. yeah, like it's difficult for people who really love some, who really like want to put their work out and really care about it. And it, like it's hard for them to find a way to do that sometimes. That's yeah, it's like point. it might be cheaper to actually film the movie, but I it sounds like then it's gotten more expensive to like cast the movie and like actually produce it. Yeah, yeah. Well, so Donnie Darko was filmed completely on like actual film, um, and he said Southland Tales was shot di- like I think semi digitally. I don't remember exactly what he was saying, but he said that like film is just so expensive now. But he was talking about how. Creators like Christopher Nolan and Quentin Tarantino and like a few other directors will like only shoot on film. And because of that, they're like keeping that industry alive, which is great because things shot on film are so, I don't know, it's just like such a different noticeable style, I think, yes, for, I agree. for films. And I think it adds like a layer of, I don't know, like even nostalgia or just like some type of like dreaminess, Yes, in my opinion. Um so like I'm like yes yeah, so we need to keep that alive, um, even though it's like more difficult to to work with and it's more expensive, but it's worthwhile. Agreed. I also feel like somehow moving watching movies on film feels like a a more intimate experience. Like there's less of a barrier to like the true like filmmaking experience that you yeah. feel like you're a part of as the audience, which feels really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it feels like almost like seeing like an original painting versus yes, getting a print exactly yeah yes. it's like it's still beautiful as a print but it's just different exactly that was our episode for this week um i hope you guys enjoyed it and you can follow us on our social media at that's kind of wavy look us up wherever you want to um <laughs> look it up look it up <laughs> look it up yourself <laughs> um <laughs> you can find us every other tuesday um on all your streaming platforms Bye. Bye.